Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. EV infrastructure is a hot topic. How is it going to come along? Who's going to fund it? How are we going to make sure reliability works? And it's a big question. So I'm glad that I get to speak to experts in the field, really. So welcome back to the Autospec podcast. I'm your host, Francie. I'm joined by Katie Wallace, Director of Communications at EVGO, and Jeremy Whaling, Senior EVSE Engineer at EVGO. (laughs) So thank you for joining me today. And I'm excited to dive into the topics. Um, We are at the LA Auto Show, which EVGO has been at year after year, right? But I've seen throughout the past years, you know, the show has gotten a little bit smaller and um, the presence of charge point operators has also changed along the way. So I wanted to know why do you, why does EVGO think that it's important to be at this event? You might notice this year, I believe we're actually the only public charging provider that has a booth at the auto show. We were a little surprised to see that, but there are still a lot of first time drivers out there who are just learning about electric vehicles for the first time. And a lot of automakers and OEMs here at the show are debuting electric vehicles or teaching newcomers about them. And we want to be part of that customer education. There are a ton of people who are just joining the electric revolution. And this is an amazing place with thousands and thousands of people who get to learn about what it's like to drive an EV. They can test drive one and they can learn about public charging infrastructure from us. So is that mostly what's happening at your booth at this event? People coming up that are curious or have questions and you're really taking it as an opportunity to say, this is what EVGO does, but also some EV 101 education? Uh, Absolutely, yes. A lot of people have questions. The first thing is typically, what is EVGO? (laughs) And what does EVGO do? And then a lot of people want to understand the difference of, well, what is fast charging? Or they they walk over to our our dummy charger and say, is this a fast charger or how fast is it? And we can get into some technical questions about what's home charging versus level two versus fast charging. So we're doing a lot of, you know, back to basics, EV 101, like you said. Um, There are also some people who come in with very technical questions who have been longtime EV drivers. And it's great to have people like Jeremy here. They'll single me out. They'll be like, oh, (laughs) So EVGO has been really focusing on reliability, which, of course, I think every charge point operator has as well. But you've also 
in recent history announced your EVgo Renew plan. And so I'd love to talk about that a little bit and how it's really going to affect the experience of your customers and why it is maybe pushing forward EVgo as hopefully one of the leaders in the space that can really promise the best charging experience when you're out public charging. I'm so glad you asked. We are very excited about our Renew program. We formally launched it in January of 2023, and it's it's not a, a, a one-time project. This is an ongoing process. It's a comprehensive maintenance program that augments and complements our previous efforts, but it is a very targeted and data-driven program that we, we are using to evaluate our entire network, and in some cases... Uh, we are replacing or decommissioning or ideally upgrading a lot of legacy equipment and outdated stalls. EVgo has been around for well over a decade. So some of our equipment in the field is a bit... Uh, long a bit in the tooth. Long in the tooth. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's aged out of its useful life. Yes. So Renew is very much looking at that in order to uh, boost reliability, but also to enhance the customer experience. That's a huge focus of ours, making sure that drivers has a, have a successful charge. Uh, we measure what is called one and done rates. And that's where we want someone to be able to plug in and charge right away the first time. We don't want multiple attempts. We don't want them to have issues. And that's a big focus of the Renew program. We're seeing that climb. We work with our engineering team. Yes. But there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes with you know, the, the firmware uh, in our chargers, what happens in the software, the communications that people might not necessarily know. They just know what they see, which is a charger's screen either says yes or no. Yeah. Uh, or, we're working or we're not. <laughs> an error code has, you know, an error has occurred sort of thing. Yeah. 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 An error might come up. So the Renew program is really, I mean, it's multifaceted. Of course, you have your six pillars that you're working on, which people can look into, or you could mention if I don't know them off the top of my head, but I certainly do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and, and really that retrofitting. So how quickly has EVgo been able to retrofit? Cause I know that's a pretty big undertaking and that it is always um, necessarily just like fast charging that you're putting in? Or is it maybe, you know, if you're at the mall with a 50 kilowatt, is it a better version of that? What exactly maybe is going on? That's a good question. So, th so to go back to your previous points, the, the six pillars, the Renew program has a lot of behind the scenes work. The thing that the customers will see, the most visible aspect is certainly what we're doing in the field with charger replacements. But the, the six pillars start with prevention. And that's the testing that we do at our innovation lab. And yes. Jeremy gets to go there every day. Yeah. I'm so jealous. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that that's the stuff that we do before anything gets to the field. We do interoperability testing with our vehicle uh, partners. We do software upgrade testing. We just make sure everything that's deployed on our network, including legacy equipment, can work with all the new vehicles that are coming to market. So that's a huge piece. It's testing. It's behind the scenes work. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we we work through diagnostics and analytics. We look at the data that's coming through our network. We have a network monitoring system that's that essentially is a health check. You know, what's going on? What's working? What's not? Uh, we have a rapid response pillar, and that is how do we determine when we need to send people out? Sometimes mm -hmm. a quick reboot is all you need, and sometimes we need to replace a part if something's not working. Right. Um, resilience is probably my favorite pillar of the Renew program, and that is one part redundancy in terms of the customer experience. So that's giving people multiple ways to pay, for example. So we have credit card readers, we have our app, you can use mm -hmm. auto charge, you can use an RFID mm -hmm. card. Um, some of our stations have Apple Pay. Uh, not not all, but it's, it's rolling out soon. Uh, resilience also means we're building bigger stations. So legacy sites in EVgo's history used to have one, maybe two stalls. They are four, six, eight, ten. They, they're getting bigger and right. we have faster, higher power chargers which is what customers want. And it helps with quick turnover. You don't have as much queuing. So a lot of things are going into, in, into the resilience pillar of the program. Um, I feel like I'm missing. What did I miss? <laughs> I only covered five. We have 
prevention, rapid response, diagnostics, analytics, resilience. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Continuous customer service. <laughs> I feel like that just, that's, it's so uh, behind the scenes and threaded throughout everything we do. It's like, well, it's in everyone. It's in everything. Yeah. 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 So. Making sure that we have our 24-7 call center. The, uh, the Evigo charging crew is, right. is there around the clock. If someone needs help, they help with troubleshooting. They help mm -hmm. with account questions. Mm -hmm. uh, it also is something that Jeremy's team works on in terms of customer experience with the screens. Like right. How are people engaging with the charger itself and making some interesting upgrades to the firmware, the HMI that mm -hmm. you can see. That's yes. a big part of it as well. Sure. Yeah, so yeah. I, I saw some numbers that you've um, done a certain amount of stalls, but I can't remember what they are, but y'all are definitely underway there. Um, yeah, we have we have upgraded, replaced, or decommissioned 350 charging stalls since the beginning of 2022. That's, it's I'm a, sure that's a big aggressive. undertaking. It's, yeah. it's aggressive, <laughs> and, and we're not done. We're, we're, still, yeah. we're, we're both expanding our network and building new sites while yes. we continue to look at legacy sites and do yes. some replacements and upgrades. That's a lot of hands-on work. Yes. Yeah, love that. And you, you've touched a little bit on communications, not only when um, you're at the site and you see what's, whatever is on the screen and having customers understand, you know, if something happens, what's going on, or even just, I mean, we love your interface on your chargers because it also has all the nerdy details as well. <laughs> the session fun. details button, yes. Yeah, so we yes. love the session details, <laughs> and um, that's really great. But how important, I mean, Katie and Jeremy, I mean, you're in communications, but to be able to communicate to people using your stations, like if something, an issue does come up, how it's being dealt with, or if you're having an experience there to educate them on what's going on, how is that prioritized at EBGO? Great question. I'll do the customer-facing stuff. You talk about yeah. what happens on the chargers. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so we have a lot of different ways that we talk to customers. Um, we have messages in our app. So if something is not working, you'll you'll see it directly in the app. We also have statuses that are live. So you see if a station shows green in our app, come on down. It's available. If it's red, someone else is already using it. You got to wait. Um, and if it's gray, it's offline. And that could be it's quick. We have to do a quick reset. It could be it's in maintenance and we need to do a, a repair or send a service technician out. Mm -hmm. uh, so that color coding is there. We also have in-app notifications. We talk to our customers via email. We're very active on social media as yes. well. So if someone has a question, they can always uh, tag us or, or, or um, send us a send us a little at mention and and we'll get back to them with whatever's going on. Sometimes there are things that are outside of our control, like mm -hmm. a telecommunications issue um, mm -hmm. happens or a connectivity thing. Or vandalism. Or it's unfortunately, yes, yes <laughs> yeah, that does happen. Cut yeah. cables and uh, yeah. smashed screens. And that's that's something that we deal with. Yeah. Um, but we also have the screens themselves and the interface that communicates with customers. So Jeremy, what do yes. you um, So <laughs> there's, there's, quite a, there's quite a bit. So part of it is, um, when you have the new the new customer experience versus like a a veteran of EV charging, mm -hmm. and with for for new customers it can be quite intimidating. Like sort of like what do I do? You get to the site and you're just like I I have the car cord whatever, and so we have on our like our home screen we have like the one two three like plug in pay and charge up. Mm -hmm. So like try to make it very simple. Um, once you've plugged in, it'll show you the different payment options. Kind of even has a little. The little animations of like the little card going on the thing or whatever like that. Um, but also we've we've added communication during the setup process as well, where it, it um, lets the customer know like, hey, stuff is going on, but it may not be instant because sometimes it takes a little bit of time to start up. Mm -hmm. So we have the um, the little uh, we have like a little progress indicator. It's like the one out of three, two out of right. three, three out of three. Because uh, for our newer models, the cabinet dispenser, the cabinet can be far away from the dispenser and the dispenser doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of noise on its own when it's in the startup mode. So people were unplugging just like thinking, oh, it's, it's not started. And it's like, 
it was everything was fine. So like we added a lot more information there to help people out. Interesting. Yeah. So and one other thing we did is we have a help menu as well. So we have like an info. We have a pricing screen available so people know like what the walk up rate is. It's mm-hmm. sort of regulatory required, which kind of makes sense. But we also have some other our pricing plans on there. But we also have some info for customers like how do you start a charge? What are their options and different things like that? So like help screens right on the right on the charger itself. Right. Um, because like, you know, as, as, as amazing as our call sensor it, center is, is, you know, it's going to take some time to call in if you have questions. Like, ideally, yeah. the customer, you know, it should the charger should help them through that yeah. and get through that first charge um, and, you know, have a successful charge first time. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. So, um, yeah, I think that is really important to communicate as much as you can with the customer. So in terms of putting up sites, the EVgo is growing pretty at a, at a good pace, would you say? Yes. And yes. Also, and like, fast very, clip. very, very fast clip. <laughs> yeah, so how, how's, how's that been going? How has that been ramping up? Um, how is EVgo really preparing yourselves and, and doing it so that you're putting up not only, you know, great sites that have the locations that people need, but also making sure that they're built with all the T's crossed and I's dotted? Yeah, that's a great question. It is a it is a big undertaking to look at a nationwide network plan. And uh, like I said earlier, EVgo has been around for a long time. We've been doing this for more than a decade and our growth has skyrocketed in the last couple of years as technology has gotten so much better. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's necessitated because the cars have also gotten so much better. Batteries have gotten so much bigger. Uh, So we we have now grown to more than 950 fast charging locations in more than 35 states. That includes EVgo's owned and operated network and the sites that we're building through our extend program. Mm -hmm. And that is where customers are going to start seeing EVgo stations at uh, Pilot and Flying J travel centers all across America. We're really excited about that collaboration with Pilot and GM. Mm -hmm. And that is a a complementary effort to electrify transit corridors Mm -hmm. where we have our traditional metropolitan footprints. And in fact, this earlier this summer, we celebrated our thousandth fast charging stall with General Motors in the Chicago area. We had a, a very fun ribbon cutting there. So we're doing kind of on both sides. We're building in, in cities and where people live and also where people want to travel and play with mm-hmm. our collaboration with Pilot Flying J. So we're we're building very, very fast. There, yeah. It's estimated that in the nation, there are just over 30,000 fast chargers today. Okay. And industry analysts, analysts think that we're going to need about 300,000 mm-hmm. by 2030. Right. So that's a, that's a 10X. Yeah. Picking it up. We're, yeah. <laughs> we all have to pitch in and make that happen as EV adoption continues to grow. And that means that also, you know, on your side of things that you want to be engineering the best hardware out there so that not only is it being deployed and working right away, but that it will last a long time. That's right. So how how much of your work is working on that resiliency of the chargers themselves, Jeremy? Um, So (laughs) part part of it comes into, um, for one, so not only are we need like 10x stalls but even right now it's the the amount of utilization on our network has just gone up like even in the last few months has been just like a vertical line it's amazing how many like how many i just look in on the app and you just see like all these stations all in use Uh, you know you swing by one of the sites you're like it's there's cars everywhere you know like you know and not just evgo either like the entire industry feels like it's on a really fast roller coaster. <laughs> what that what so what that does is for us is um, for one is I'm getting a lot of data from chargers and we do a lot of analytics around the data from our chargers and making sure that you know even if you have a, a say a problem that happens like one in a hundred or hundred you know three hundred times or four hundred times that can be pretty difficult to recreate in the lab. So what we've been doing a lot of is doing analytics around sessions and then finding ones that don't seem to go quite right. And then capturing data from those to try to get really good on like, okay, 
we have to sort of drill down through all of the different problems. There might be ones that, yeah, we can easily recreate that in the lab. And then there'll be ones that like, well, this happens very, very rarely. So we need to, um, you know, recreating it might be easy once we know what it is, but like just in our normal testing, we have quite extensive testing just in our normal, every single firmware goes through a couple of major safety testing, um, you know, our backend communication testing, stability, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, but we also are now are using a lot of the data analytics and part of that, where that makes that so successful is just like we have so many sessions now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. That's pretty great that utilization is rising, which is, you know, you were talking about how as EV adoption is going to grow, I've seen the numbers where it's mm -hmm. like we're looking from 30 to 40 million EVs on the road yeah. by 2030. So, the infrastructure obviously has to scale tremendously with that. And so, yes. your partnerships play a big role in that too, because um, of course there's federal funding, mm -hmm. which is, you know, an important part of it and it's available to you. So of course, charge point operators are going to take advantage of that, right? Yes. But also automakers are stepping into the space as well. Um, you know, not only partnerships with you, but building out their own network. Yeah. So did you, would you say the more the merrier? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> our, our, our viewpoint is that we, it takes all. Like, mm -hmm. uh, a rising tide lifts all boats or floats all boats, whatever, however the yeah. place goes. So more charging infrastructure and especially more visible charging infrastructure is very reassuring to people who are on the fence. And yes. they're saying, I, I'm really excited about the switching, switching over to an electric, but wh where is the nearest fast charger near me? Yeah. So yes. the more that people can see, the likelier it is that that adoption curve is just going to keep going up. Even though most people are going to, at least a lot of them initially, their charging is going to be at home. Their primary right. charging is to be at home. Yeah. There's a couple of exceptions. I can get into that if you want to. But basically, most people are going to be charging at home for a good chunk of their charging. Mm -hmm. But there's this like marketability angle with mm -hmm. fast charging where it's like yeah. they see it because in the gas car world, of course, you can't make gas. You should not <laughs> gasoline in your house. <laughs> so it's not normally possible. Um, you don't have yep. a little refinery. So mm -hmm. but you do have a home home charging stations are obviously they're they're quite popular. And it's it's, of course, very convenient to charge overnight and all mm -hmm. that good stuff. But while out on the road, even in your local area, it's still very useful to have a fast charger available. You know, if you say forget to plug in or you do a bunch of driving, need to do a bit more, just need a quick top off, sort of that sort of thing. And having just more available sites everywhere is going to, you know, yeah. raise the tide. Yeah. And, and, and like you said, the majority of, of charging does happen at home. Some people who um, have workplace charging also yes. have that benefit as well. But there's about 30% of people in the U.S. who don't have access yep. to home charging. I, I'm actually one of them. I'm a yes. renter. And I don't have a place that I can plug in at home, so yeah. I, I have to rely on public charging infrastructure. Yes. And that number is going to stay pretty consistent based yeah, on housing availability and, and yeah. what housing trends look like and where people want to live. So yeah. we have to make sure that there's a robust supply to augment all of it. We need home and workplace charging. Yes. We need level two charging for long dwell times, and we need fast charging. It's, yep. it's going to take all of it. Yep. Well, and so speaking of... Um, Putting up more infrastructure, you also announced recently that you're doing prefab sites, right? So yes. can you speak a little bit to that, um, what your plan is there, and maybe why this decision was made? Yeah, it's it's in its early stages. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're gathering some data and seeing seeing how it's going to go. We, we're excited about this new approach because it reduces, the best part of all is that it reduces installation time. Mm -hmm. So a, a prefabrication skid, that's the word for the, the modular skid that it puts on, we put it on, is assembled offsite. And we put all equipment together in a controlled environment and then it's delivered in one piece. So instead of doing it all piecemeal on site, we can control it in a you know a covered environment in a fabrication facility nearby and ship it to the fast charging site. We're anticipating that it's gonna save about 
on the installation timeline. So oh, that's nice. a pretty significant savings to get sites online faster, which is what drivers want. We want more fast charging quicker. Yes. Uh, right now, we have a couple of, of sites in the works. Uh, we issued a press release about it. The first one is going to be in Texas and it will be available as part of our public network. And the best part about it is that it's scalable. Mm -hmm. So it starts at, at six stalls. It can go up to 20 in just a, a frame that gets longer. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's really it, it's really a great benefit to our site host partners because it's minimal disruption on the construction side. Mm -hmm. We don't have to do as much um, on the trenching. It's just a nice skit. Everything's all integrated, all the wiring, all the conduit. It's, yes. it's a nice clean yeah. package. And sure. The, the more nerdy ones on the show here <laughs> have looked and or even taken their own construction photos and seen the number Probably. of basically the number of conduits you've got, all yes. the concrete, all the tearing up and the heavy equipment going in. So now you just kind of. Eh, eh. Yeah, I'm not sure what you love. One of the things we're going to do with the prefabrication is there's going to be some synthetic turf to cover the skid. Which will give a little cushion too for connectors in case they get dropped. Yay! Does that's happen. Always, that's yes, of course. <laughs> uh, we'll hope to go out and check that first site when it comes out, or you know any of them. And would you, you know, you're saying that it'll cut that time down, which is you know affected by a lot of things from construction to utilities and all the above when putting in a site. But what about costs? Is this a more effective cost structure for EVgo? Sites. That's what we're still gathering. Yeah, that's data. what we're hoping. We we just have some early projections right now. Um, it, it's it's expected to save about fifteen percent on uh, overall construction costs. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, we're still early stages. We're we're just putting our first sites in now, mm -hmm. and we have a couple in the pipeline. And 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 not every site is going to be the right fit. So it, it's going to work great in certain locations. One of the biggest limiting factors for where we can apply. Prefabrication is really based on terrain. So if there's a, a steep grade or a lot of existing trees that have deep root systems, it's not going to mm. be great for us to use it. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be kind of a site by site approach. Mm -hmm. But we're hopeful that yes, yeah. it'll it'll not just shave costs. Uh, it'll shave time, and we'll cool. get fast charges on the ground faster. Yeah, yeah. fingers crossed that yes. it's yeah, an yes. effective thing for y'all. And you know, Tesla has been doing that for a while. Which you know, I have to ask the question, Tesla's now selling their hardware. Is EVgo looking at that at all? I know you have a pretty solid relationship with Delta where you work together, but yeah. <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> I know so, I know less about it than you do. So but <laughs> I can say that we, we explore many options for equipment. Um, we have a very extensive uh, um, uh, criteria and due diligence in checking to see what different manufacturers offer. Mm -hmm. um, part of it too now is as we've, um, you know, the five years that I've been at EVgo, we used to just basically purchase equipment um, based upon lowest cost, mm -hmm. initial cost. So, you, you know, this charger costs, you know, X amount and it costs less than this other charger. Right. And not considering, you know, maintenance or like longevity or anything like that. That was, it was very much around that. And now we're really, we went eventually, you know, first was just, okay, well, we can't think like that. We need to think about the total cost of ownership and looking at maintenance and all that sort of stuff. But now we're even going into things like, um, you know, doing do like due diligence around design review. Um, we do like manufacturability and um, repairability. Like mm -hmm. we'll, we'll get our technicians and like do teardowns and stuff to really get into the, to the weeds with these new pieces of equipment to see that like, yes, they are very repairable. Here's here's some of the trouble spots, nice. and and even with our manufacturers, we we've, we've also told them like, hey, we're we're trying to help you build a better product, not just a better product for EVgo. Right. Um, we do that a lot, and I've had to say that a few times to a few different manufacturers that I really like. You know, we're really trying to make um, you know the industry better in a lot of different ways. 
Two of, two of which that we really focus on is uh, safety. So like we've, there's, um, we have some stuff around the safety aspects of charging that we really try to make sure we hit. Um, you know, if, if we actually lose connection with the vehicle, we have requirements in EVgo for, for that, uh, where it has to shut down within 30 milliseconds. And we're actually finding it needs to be faster than that. But um, we also have stuff around um, uh, just like interoperability and how, how the vehicles communicate with the stations and stuff like that. We're, we're very open for both those things that um, we, we do. We also have a connector qualification thing. So all that said, <laughs> there's a ton more I could talk for an hour on that alone. <laughs> but the main, the main thing is to answer your Tesla question is just that we, we look at a lot of different factors when it comes to equipment. So we, right. are, we are looking at everything. Yeah, you, I mean, you have to be thorough, and mm -hmm. I think that's an absolutely the approach to take, yes. breaking it down, all the different metrics, but also, like, yeah. this is an emerging industry technology, yes. so figuring out exactly that process as well, I'm sure, has been something along the way that EVgo is getting better and better at. Um, yes, so, yeah. Really great. Speaking of Tesla, Nax. So mm. we're at the LA Auto Show, and mm -hmm. there, we'll have some B-roll and stuff where you can see the Nax connector that y'all actually have on um, the charger Downstairs. A pre-production unit, so it's not That's the exact. Okay, yes. So, so does, would that technically work if we tried to use it? The uh, one downstairs. Well, the one downstairs is for show. For show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a display charger. It's a display charger. Future state. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that particular, well, that and it's also missing its power cabinet. So <laughs> <laughs> we don't haul around the very, very heavy part of the equipment yeah. for for good reason there. But in general, we are. Um, that is a, a demonstration unit of one of our potential solutions for NAX. Cool. Um, that particular one is a retrofit. So that mm -hmm. piece of equipment is is in the field. Um, we've installed them, installing them, sort of, you know, present tense. Um, and that one will be, we replace the Chatamo connector with the NAX cable. Okay. Um, other solutions we are looking at are for new equipment. Um, and also, but in general, looking at um, stations that can serve both CCS and NAX, at mm -hmm. least in the now mid term just because like there will be continuing to be made ccs vehicles ccs is dominant right now mm -hmm. for a lot of different manufacturers mm -hmm. um but obviously you know tesla it has a, a lot of vehicles in this market so yeah. this helps address um essentially that market okay so. so so the one downstairs is technically demonstrating when you put on it's still using Chatmo, so it's not a CCS to Nax. No, 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 no. It's uh, it is C like uh, the Nax standard as written for J thirty four hundred is essentially electrically CCS. Mm -hmm. So this connector will be electrically CCS. Okay. Um, it will not be electrically Chatmo. Okay. Um, uh, as far as the the SAE thirty four hundred, there is no Tesla single wire can proprietary stuff in it. Mm -hmm. um, I have heard some things, well, anyway, from, yeah. <laughs> from, from, from Kyle, actually, that was saying things to me, and I was like, I don't know about that. That's not what I'm hearing, so. Yeah, so, so from your perspective, where, so, you know, everyone's switching over to the next, right? If, yes. if an automaker hasn't announced it, they are going to, uh, from what I've seen, you know, it's just one after the other, and also charge point operators are going that way as well, because yes. that's where the industry is going. So yes. where do you think we're, we stand with the standard? Because it's not standardized yet, right? It is in progress, and uh, my boss is very diligent. Keith Beck said is very diligent about 3,400. He's going to be a voting member in a bunch of stuff. He's he's on right. every call. We, we have a very big presence in it, and then uh, one of my other colleagues, Jeremy Bibo, uh, Bebo, uh, has... Um, 
a lot of uh, the interoperability side of it as well. Mm -hmm. So, but it right as it stands right now, it's it's very much, I'd say most, and it's not completely done yet, of course. So everybody's trying to basically build, like physically build, like the connectors and cables towards the standard. But then the committee is also working on finalizing those right. physical standards. It's it is a bit of yes the yeah. the cart and the horse and mm -hmm. and we're not horse and yeah, cart. It's, it's, yes. it's early stages it's of very testing. early we're not, we're not ready to deploy anything yet and right. yeah. the next connector is still going through those uh Which those testing sense. bodies and standards to make sure that yes. everybody can access something that mm -hmm. has been verified to work with interoperability and safety standards to yes. make sure that it it works for all drivers and we can feel assured that it's it's not just going to be yeah, a, a good customer experience but there's there's no um no concerns with the Yes. Technology. And of course, Good. with with EVgo, we have a connector qualification standard. Mm -hmm. And so any cables that we work with for this you know, new or retrofit have to go through that qualification standard. So mm -hmm. um, we're working with uh, many manufacturers. We, we uh, um, work with many manufacturers on testing cables, evaluating, providing feedback to them mm -hmm. um, in, in a very uh, transparent way, just because we're like, again, we we want to make sure that the connector is safe for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can take these changes we are suggesting or insisting on if we use that product. You can sell that product to others. We don't. We're not saying like, oh, this is the EVgo cable. It's safer for us only. Like, no, 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 no. We are very much mm -hmm. want to want to do that. So electric for all, right? Electric for all and electric safety all. electric. And yes, course, right. So yeah. so with the Nax cable, it'll be essentially no different in that sense. We'll mm -hmm. still have to go through all those those things. And so we are very busy. Okay. <laughs> sometimes people, you know, the timeline for the... the they want it the, yesterday. Yeah, they, oh, of course. Like, when is it going to happen? But if you understand more about that, this, you know, Tesla's been doing it their own way. But again, the standardization yes. has to come along for yes. companies like EVgo to do that widespread, not... Like you said, cart before the horse, yes. all that stuff. Okay, so um, and then also you're talking about testing. So Charin is coming up as well. Yes, right? and yeah. the and the the testable. Yes. Right. So what are your goals there? Oh, we got some fun stuff planned for that. Yeah. Yes. We're, we are bring we're bringing two two chargers, mm -hmm. and uh, we're gonna do. Uh, there's a number of vehicles that are that are coming. I think now we're up to it was it was a little low at first, but now we've got a lot more there. I think uh, um, coming so. We're going to try to, you know, charge with everybody's car, with everybody's charger and all that sort of stuff. But mm -hmm. we're we're going to be doing some some fun stuff there. I, I don't know if I can get into exact details yet, because then people think that, you know, it's a development environment for everybody. Mm -hmm. right. So there's some new stuff in there and it's very exciting for us. It's I've a been, watch this space. Moment, it's a very much say. watch. Watch this space. Um, there's probably there's some good stuff that, you know, for the real technical people mm -hmm. that if they they uh, if you guys do some coverage there. Mm -hmm that not just EVgo, but others, they'll yeah. all be running around with some yeah. with some fun stuff. So okay. it's actually, it's our it's our Delta High Power and then our City 200. Okay. So it's our, our newer City Charger, which we have, City Charger we have a lot of in the 100 kilowatt configuration. So mm -hmm. this is the new 200, can, can fit, the 200 kilowatt configuration. Okay. So. And, you know, I think uh, for our tech audience, they are curious, like, oh, yes. about how you consider the equipment that you're using and what are the decisions you make. And I don't think anything's really exclusive with EVgo, but like you're considering what is out there in general is what I've got from you. Is that true? Like, I know you've had a long-standing relationship with Delta. You use the, you know, certain cables, the Huber Schooner for the most part, but you, mm -hmm. you do consider as the market, you know, improves hopefully in the technology advances mm -hmm. that 
You're always open to improving. Am, yes. am I right? I don't know. Oh, yeah. We want to play well in the sandbox. Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's, again, part of that resilience pillar of Renew. Having a diversity of equipment on the network is great for a ton of reasons, including mm-hmm. supply chain and just basic logistics and making sure we have a lot of options. Yep. Um, and, and frankly, not everybody needs a 350 kilowatt machine. I mean, it's yeah. great for the future, but yes. there's still very much need for 100 and 200 kilowatt chargers for everyone out there who has a smaller battery. That's true. Yes. And so hopefully um, at your PFJ stations, which are the fast charging, right? They are. Yeah, that's the 350s. Great. So I I stopped in one on one side of Knoxville, but um, and it was, but I know you have some that are going to be like big with canopies, really, um, Mm -hmm. you know, emanating what kind of the truck stop experience is, which is like, you know, you you pull under the canopy, it has lights, trash cans and everything. Mm -hmm. Will they all be... The same like that, or can people expect a few different configurations? I, I think sites can have a little bit of variability just based on where they're sited off of the expressway. Mm-hmm. So a lot of pilot travel centers, well, they all have um, the, the amenities inside. So they're all going to have a restroom and food and beverage purchase, uh, Wi-Fi, things like that. Many of them will have canopies. Many of them will feature pull-through. Uh, so if you're towing something, you have a pull-through yeah. stall, which is I know people are very excited about. Yeah. Um, they there will be some difference, so not not a hundred percent of them are going to have all those, but I would say the majority. And Pilot is really excited to offer those amenities to their drivers, and we've been really excited to um, expand that program with General Motors and Pilot over these last couple of weeks. And mm-hmm. we're going to build uh, up at up to five hundred locations, yeah, with two two thousand fast charging stalls. Right, nice, a lot to come. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> along the corridors, which has been definitely a want from EV drivers, even though yes. not everyone does road trips. But if you're going to, yeah, so that you can have these stations along the way that are comfortable to be at, not necessarily just like at a Walmart five miles off the highway, but just to pull off like what we're used to, which is building in again that convenience portion that EVgo likes to focus on as well yes. off the highway. So that makes sense, and then. Briefly, one thing that we talked about earlier was resiliency. And so that telecommunications aspect, how is EVgo going to make sure that resiliency is built in there, which is something you can't always control, right? We can't. Uh, one one thing that we, we are working on in terms of um, advocating for is a difference in having um, contactless card payments instead of chip readers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a that's a big connectivity issue itself and a, and a failure point that can be common just on the face of a charger that mm-hmm. that is helpful in and of itself. Um, the prefabrication model that we talked about where we can have everything kind of embedded in this skid can also feature some wiring that can be added if we need boosted connectivity in a specific location because we know it might be in a bit of a desert uh, where there's just not a lot of support for signal strength. Mm-hmm. So that's something that can be future-proofed, essentially. Mm-hmm. So we're working working on it from a couple of, of different angles. Uh, Jeremy, you want to talk about the connectivity in the inside? of Yes. The um, we are doing a lot in terms of studying the data from the cellular modems. So all right now, every charger has a cellular modem in it, and we use essentially now all three carriers. But uh, we're looking more at multi-carrier solutions so that way this the the modem can actually switch if it goes like okay i have better signal with one than the other Mm -hmm. but also looking at connectivity when we um when we're installing or you know commissioning the site you know if we think there's going to be problems or if things change over time you know like we can have um new set new towers being built or you know unfortunately you know cellular outages occasionally do happen so we can track those things and being able to get more again obsessed with more data, more data on knowing what we can do in terms of action, right? Mm-hmm. Not, 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 not being in an unknown state, right? So, um, and fortunately with where we're going right now, it's, we're, we're seeing some really good results from, from studying that. Good. So, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it seems like y'all are really putting in the effort to build a network that is not only focused on sustainability and how EVs are making the world you know, greener, but lasting into the future so that this infrastructure doesn't one day become obsolete, right? That's the goal. Build something that will last as yes. this EV transition comes along. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, I really appreciate y'all taking the time to fill us in. I think, um, you know, a, a lot of our viewers probably experience public charging, but don't necessarily hear from spokespeople from the public charging networks a lot. So I think this will be interesting, engaging. Hopefully let us know in the comments what you think, if you have any questions. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I really appreciate it. Is there anything that people should be looking out for EVgo in the future or that you'd like to, you know, put here while you have the opportunity? <laughs> people always love to dangle that one. I think one of the most exciting things that we didn't touch about, uh, touch on in, in the series so far was uh, you mentioned federal funding and the mm -hmm. NEBI program. Mm -hmm. And that is, it's taking off. And it's a really exciting thing. We we are are looking forward to leveraging more of the public-private partnerships and taking on that federal funding. In fact, EVgo um, has been awarded some preliminary funds in some of the states that have already issued their first rounds. Right. We um, we were selected for funds with our, our partners, our extend partners, Pilot um, and GM in Ohio and Pennsylvania um, and Utah and a couple of other states. So we're watching a lot more as they come out. More funds will continue to be distributed throughout the course of 2024. I mean, there's $5 billion right. here to work with. So you're going to see a huge spike in charging infrastructure because we're, we all get to take advantage of this support from the Biden administration. Definitely. I think that's really significant. Of course, yeah, there's this huge amount of funding to take advantage of. Have you found that EVgo really excels in achieving or getting these grants and goals in one certain way that you're going to keep carrying through to other states? I, I think we're doing well. I mean, yeah. I'm proud of our team, of course. Yeah. Um, EVgo does have a, a great um, a grant team. Mm -hmm. I know that um, other CPOs do do as well, but we have a long and proven track record right. of leveraging public funding, and not just NEVI. I mean, we work with state energy offices. We work with utility incentive programs, make ready programs, and have uh, a lot of funding support from a lot of different uh, entities, and it's because we have a proven track record of putting that to good use and deploying infrastructure where it's going to be used. Mm -hmm. So we're we'll just keep doing more. Yeah, keep doing what you're doing, <laughs> right? Improving always. Exactly. Yeah, hey, I appreciate it and throwing in that Nevi portion because a lot of the comments we do whenever I cover anything Nevi, it's like can't wait for our Nevi plans to come in. So I know. You're me. So. I know. We're we're eager for it too. The states are all moving on their own timeline. Right. Uh, you know, the the federal pool is there, but yes. all the state departments of transportation work against their own state schedule, and yes. some are a little later than yeah. we might have hoped. But it's picking up pace, and right. there's there's still a lot of other funding to to fill in the gap while it's rolling out. It's good to hear. Yeah, I think, you know, the sooner the better with all of this. But yeah, it, it's interesting on the state to state level, mm -hmm. different states with their different plans, even it's um, yeah. multifaceted. It is. Well, thank you, Katie and Jeremy, for coming on to the Out of Spec podcast. Yeah. It was great to see yes. you. Great it was great to see you. Yes. Thanks for having us. So great. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in as well. Of course, let us know what you liked about more and more conversations with amazing people in the space that are doing really great work and just to really hear what hands on work and thought processes and, you know, critical analysis is going into building up this infrastructure so we can have a more and more robust electric future. So thank you both. Thank you. Welcome. Enjoy thank the auto show. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Of course, if you see this and the auto show is still going on, drop by the EVgo booth. And thanks for tuning in to the Outer Podcast. <laughs>
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.